Revelation 12:11 And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Welcome to by the word of their testimony and here is your host Etienne McClintock. Dear listener, greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for joining me on the program again today. I'm delighted to have your company and I'm also delighted to have a special guest in the studio. My special guest today is Latilda Wynn. Latilda, welcome to the program. Thank you, Etienne. It's really, really good to be here. I'm pleased that you can come and share your testimony today. Now, I met you at a prayer conference just over the weekend, and when I heard a little bit about your testimony, I was really inspired by it and thought, you know, our listening audience would actually benefit from hearing incredible stories where people's lives have been changed quite significantly, and uh, that will just encourage them also to walk with the Lord. So tell us a little bit about what you're currently doing. Yes. Yeah, so uh, up until yesterday, I turned 23 yesterday and I quit my job. I was working at a uh, health retreat in northern New South Wales. Okay. And I just felt God was calling me to give my life fully to him. I've mm. wasted 23 years of my life and now God has given me salvation and hope and peace. And I just want to share it with the thousands and hundreds of thousands of people that are uh, in pain and suffering and they don't have any hope in this world. Mm, okay, that, that is exciting. Uh, the interesting thing is that when people experience the joy and the peace of the Lord and they've gone from being lost to now being found, and it was blind, but now they see. Right. When they go through that experience, it's something they cannot hold back. They've got to share it. Mm -hmm. So uh, what are you going to do then if you've just uh, quit your job yesterday? And I know you're part of a group and there's a connection there because I'm also part of the group as well. We, we're doing some, some work for the Lord in regards to sharing the gospel and planting new churches. But tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so our mission is to share the love of Jesus uh, in the Central Coast, to share the three angels message and to plant small uh, church groups. Mm. So we want to go out to the community we want to ask people what they think they need um, what they think the community could benefit from uh, we would we just want to help the community out we want to involve the community mm. and we want to uh, help people out uh, where, where we can in their yards or okay so when people have needs you guys want to help them with those needs especially if they can't fulfill those needs themselves so you want to be the hands and the feet for Jesus so to speak and help people That's out it. yes wonderful yes. and there's also a spiritual component to that of course because ultimately you will offer people if they want to they can do Bible studies with you it'll be one-on-one -on -one Bible studies but also you're going to have small groups you're going to set up in homes from what I understand right yes and then there will be fellowship? Yes. What else would you do at these small groups? Um, we're going to have lots of food. Oh, food's always a winner. <laughs> Us girls, right. we love cooking, so we love to um, invite you to our house for meals. And we're having lots of prayer because prayer is powerful. Yes, it is. Um, it connects us with God. Amen. amen. Yes. Mm. So, and... 
uh, we're also connecting with a ministry called Eastwood Missions who empower young people to share Jesus. And um, I've also signed up with One Year in Missions, which is an initiative for young people to go share uh, Jesus in cities. So Central Coast is our city. It's got mm. about 340,000 people. And um, basically, uh, the church will support us to share God and to plant churches in the community. So it's, it's something from... Anyone from 18 to 35 can join anywhere in the world. So it's a really awesome, exciting uh, mission that the church is behind us. Yes, that is wonderful. I heard uh, Pastor Gary Blanchard, who is the general conference. So he's the the headquarters of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. He was actually promoting this at the prayer conference on the weekend where people actually dedicate their lives for the Lord. They get some training because there's some training involved from what I understand. That's right. And then also for a group, there will even sometimes be some funding. It's just a small bit of funding because basically you're living by faith Amen. You're, uh, you're out there and also part of the things that you're doing when you're going door to door and you're doing some surveys to see what the community needs you're also offering books it could be books on health it could be books on spirituality it could be books on the three angels messages which you mentioned earlier so you're going to do all those sorts of exciting yes, things definitely very exciting we're also going to be doing uh, health programs in the community because uh I know people a lot of people I've met um, in the cities and around where I've been traveling some of them are very sick and mm. um, either in diet or lifestyle or even in their mind. Um, I know firsthand mental health is is really, really big. So we're going to be offering depression recovery programs. Wow. We're going to be yeah teaching you how to cook healthy plant-based food. Mm. Uh, we're going to be uh, showing you how diabetes can be undone. Okay. And um, yeah, so really exciting. Right. So there's a lot of things that people will benefit from in a physical sense, but they also want to look at the spiritual component. Ultimately, yes. uh, we want to have a good life here and now, but then long term also. We want people eternal to have life. eternal life. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that is really exciting. So I'm so inspired by you and the other young people who are dedicating their life to the Lord like this to share the gospel with those out in the community. But you are not just preaching, you are living the gospel by doing things for people who would normally struggle to have these things done, but they're essential yes. services. Yes, yeah. definitely. Wonderful. We're here to encourage people and to help them. That's mm. our goal, to love them. Oh, wonderful, yes. Now, can you tell us, we can go right back, your 23 long years of life on this planet. Tell us a little bit about your family, where you were born, family influences, and so on. Okay, well, I was born in Mwilumba, which is, yeah, northern New South Wales. It's a beautiful little town. Uh, I actually love it, but unfortunately, we moved away when I was one years old. So we uh, moved to the Gold Coast for a year or two, and then we moved to Toowoomba um, for another few years. And then I spent probably, yeah, for my majority of my childhood up in Yapoon, which is central Queensland, um, near Rockhampton, actually. So, yeah, I grew up in a family of four children. I was the second child, and then I... So I have one older brother and then twin sisters who are 21 21 at the moment. Okay. And um, my mom, yeah, she's... Uh, she's Seventh-day Adventist. My dad, he he doesn't believe in God. Um, so, yeah, we grew up in a pretty, uh, I guess, what would you say? It? So a mixed environment mixed where there were some spiritual uh, influences and there were some secular influences, I, I guess. I guess so, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. So did you grow up going to church as a child? Yes. Um, my mom was very, yeah, very strong, very... Um, she was the leader, so yeah, we went to church every Sabbath, and mm. uh, so she took the spiritual lead, obviously, because she, she was the Christian in the home. Yeah, yes. yeah. Mm. So yeah, we went to church every Sabbath, and you know, I guess for me, um, it was a real, 
it was just a routine and it was just I never never felt anything from church it was yeah oh so this was just something that you guys did on the weekend basically and uh, you went through the motions but there was no spiritual connection there for you as such it was just it's like going to a social club of some sorts was it yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I guess we went there for our friends. Some sometimes we had friends that we saw, but yeah, I never had a personal relationship with Jesus, so I never really understood um, how He loved me and how this world was so. I guess it was just full of pain outside, but I never understood that until I yeah left a few years later. Okay, yeah. right. So you were brought up with obviously mixed influences. There was obviously a secular influence. There was a spiritual influence. Which way was your heart being tugged? Um, with with these uh, opposing influences, so to speak. Well, yeah, I, I definitely didn't want really anything to do with God when I left. Um, when I was 16 years old, I, I hated my mom and I hated God. I hated uh, Christians because they were all hypocrites to me and oh. um, didn't want anything to do with that. Wow. So this is at the age of 16. Now, just yes. stepping back, when you went to school, did you go to a Christian school? Did you go to a, a, a state school? Uh, we were actually homeschooled for the majority of uh, my life. Okay. Um, I went to a Christian, a small Christian Pentecostal school for about a year and a little bit. Mm. But other than that, yeah, we were homeschooled, we were very sheltered. Um, yeah, I hardly knew anything that happened in this world. All I knew was my home environment. And to me, that was awful. I hated it. I locked myself up in my room and I hated my life. Really? Yes. So are you? would you describe yourself as an introvert if you say you locked yourself up in the room? Or is it just that you were an extrovert with your friends but introvert at home because you just didn't simply like some of the discipline and the, the yeah. lifestyle that was on offer? Yeah, definitely. When I went out, when I saw my friends, I loved being with my friends. But, yeah, when I was at home with my family, um, there was a lot of anger and um, hate. Uh, and, yeah, I didn't want to be around them, so I locked myself in my room. I came out for uh, breakfast and lunch. We weren't allowed dinner. And um, that was it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So these friends of yours, were they Christian friends or were they secular friends or is it sort of like a... Well, yeah, basically we were only allowed, we only really saw our friends on um, Saturday when we mm. went to church. And um, yeah, I guess there were some mostly yeah, positive influences because most of them were homeschooled as well. So they were very sheltered, innocent little children, okay. the same as us. So um, yeah, we weren't allowed to, we had like one homeschooling group we'd might, we might see uh, maybe every few months, um, but yeah, still very, uh, I guess, protected um, hmm. social time with them. Okay. Well, I'm curious. I've got to ask this question. You obviously um, have a protected environment. Uh, your your mum has created that protective environment for a reason. Obviously, you were trying to do yes. the best and protect yes, you guys. Yes, definitely. But you didn't like it. Um, what was it that gave you the idea that you didn't like that there must be something else? Were you thinking there must be something else that you wanted? Or do you just didn't like the current environment? Yeah, I just, I really hated the home environment. I really, I really did. I hated my mom um, for whatever reason. But yeah, I guess I did have a little bit of influence outside my family, uh, extended relatives and family. None of them were Christians. So yeah, I saw their life, their fabulous life it seemed and their freedom that they and had. you found that attractive yes, compared to what definitely. you had? Yes, definitely. Yeah, I mean, there was nothing in it for me. No. Mm, mm. Wow. Okay. So, at the age of sixteen, you still going to to church? You still homeschooled um, at the age of sixteen? Yeah, I and was. And then there's a change there somehow. Yes, I was. I was homeschooled. Um, yeah, for 
just before yeah before I turned before I was 16 but um I didn't didn't do my schoolwork I was my own teacher I refused any help from my parents and I just looked at the answers book because I had no interest in studying and I hated school so um yeah I was very uh yeah, I hated it. <laughs> okay. I didn't, yeah, so didn't if, you f- if we reflect back now, w- would you have considered yourself a, a, an easy child or a challenging child? I was probably, yeah, the most challenging child out of all the children, but, yeah, definitely a very, very challenging, um, difficult child, my poor parents, but, um, yeah. <laughs> okay, wow. So 16, there's a, a definite line of demarcation. What happens at the age of 16 in your life? Um, well, I left... Yeah, probably closer when I before I was seventeen. But yeah, when I was sixteen, I was you know supposed to go get my L's, but my parents wouldn't let me get my L's because they didn't want me to have freedom for whatever reason. Mm. Well, that's how I perceived it anyway. So yes. they didn't want me to get my L's. So I wasn't I wasn't able to do anything, and I just wanted to get out there. I wanted independence. I wanted freedom. So um, yeah, so I left soon after that and um, left home. Left home. Mm. Yeah. So what did you end up doing? Where did you go? Um, well, I had just got a job. They allowed me to get a job uh, just a month before I left. And actually, it was probably mostly influenced by our neighbours who moved in. She was a mom of two little kids. And, um, yeah, she really, I guess, connected with me somehow. Uh, she knew that I was struggling. And um, she's like, Lashota, you need to get out and I'll help you get out. So we basically schemed up how to leave um, my family's house. And, yeah, she helped me. She got me this job, basically. Well, yeah, she saw the job advertised and I went and got it at a bakery. So I had a little bit of an income. Mm. And, yeah, so with her help, I left. I went into a a youth refuge where, yeah, uh, young people that, for whatever reason, couldn't live at home with their family and they were under the age of probably, say, yeah, 17, 18. Mm. They still needed that support. So I went into that um, for um, yeah when I left. Okay, so did you leave and say, Mum and Dad, I'm leaving, or did you just pack and leave and they didn't know where you were? <laughs> well, um, yeah, I, I wasn't going to tell them, but no, I told them the night before. I'm just like, I'm leaving, that's it. And, of course, yeah, my parents were really upset. Mm. But... Um, I was going to get a taxi into the uh, nearest town because we were like 10Ks out of the town in the country. But, um, yeah, no, they insisted that my brother Jylan would <laughs> drive me into uh, into Rockhampton. Um, yeah, but I, then I got a taxi to my friend's house from there. But, yeah, so they just were wow, okay. very upset. But, um, right. yeah. So my you- dad, actually my dad's like, oh, she'll be back in six months. But, no, I never went back, and that's six years ago. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So you wanted freedom. There were some things that you wanted in your life, and you couldn't have it at home. No. So what are we talking about? What sort of things? Is it music that you consider music would like to? No, I didn't even know about music, really. I only knew Christian classical hymns and um, stuff. No, I guess I just hated the environment. I hated my life. I really didn't want to live even when I was living there, but I guess, you know, (laughs) God has given me... um, uh, a want to live somehow, but yeah, mm. so I just wanted to get out, just get away from So them. you weren't enjoying life. Now, did I understand you correctly? You said you didn't even want to live at I that didn't. Age. I was literally crying like every day. I'm just like, I don't want to live. And I, yeah. Wow, I that sounds really live. sad. Yeah. Wow. And if you had to think about what the cause was for that, can you put your finger on it? I mean, I might be asking you a very difficult question to answer, but do you know what it was that may have caused you just to feel like that? 
Uh, I really don't know. I guess um, I know my parents did. They tried their best to be parents. Um, mm. But in the end, uh, a friend told me this once, we're all broken, damaged humans mm. and we all need Jesus. So I think, yeah, right, then nobody's perfect. So no matter how hard they tried, I still didn't feel anything I, st- I didn't feel loved I didn't feel like I belonged in this world I was you know why I was why was I in this world so I guess yeah they tried their best um but we're all broken damaged yes, humans yes. so that's that's the bottom line isn't it yeah right so you've got a job now uh you're sort of independent you're at this is it was it a shelter what do they call it it's a uh, uh, a yeah youth, yeah a youth, youth refuge youth refuge yeah you there how long are you there for and what starts happening I mean you start <laughs> seeing how the other half now live I mean tell yes. us a little bit about that yes I went in there and um went into this youth refuge just a few days after I left and um, it's like basically it's just like a house and we all have our bedrooms and there's a youth worker on 24-7 mm. or two youth workers on 24-7 you've, and then you've got case managers and managers, everything like that. But even in the evening when everybody's home, um, yeah, we cook dinner together and then there's the smoking area. So most of the young people smoked. They couldn't, they couldn't you know, stop them from smoking even though most of them were under 18. Okay. They couldn't stop them from smoking. So that was like my first time around... I guess my dad actually smoked all his life, but um, just, yeah, firsthand just around smoking and yeah. um, swearing even. I wasn't used to swearing. Just mm. everything and the stories they would tell, I was like, I was in complete shock. I had no idea um, about any of this because I was so protected. I was mm. so innocent. Yes. Um, yeah, I, had, I didn't even know what drugs were. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was really, Whoa. I guess, shocking, overwhelming, but... Um, and yeah. at the stage when you're confronted with this stuff, because you've never been exposed to this, the language mm. and everything else, mm. do you think, oh, maybe it was better at home? Or do you start embracing <laughs> this? Or how do you get over the shock factor? Uh, no, nothing back then, nothing was worse than home. Um, okay, yeah, so no. as bad as this was, as much as it was a shock, this was better than home. Yeah, I wouldn't as far even as you were concerned. It, I wouldn't even say it was bad. It was just, oh, wow, okay, right. And I remember this, this girl... Um, at the refuge, she was a little bit older than me, but yeah, she was she was in this refuge because of her parents. They were abusive, and I remember her saying, "I think her dad threw her out of the window in the glass and out the window of their home onto the ground." And I yeah, I don't think that story will ever leave me. But I was just like, "Wow!" Yeah, from compared to what I've been through, I thought you know my life was bad. It was awful. But, yeah, hearing that and then as I heard other people's stories, I was like, wow, my story is nothing compared to them. Um, yeah, but really, really shocking. And I guess as I went on, I realised there is pain and anger and tears and hatred and sickness everywhere I look. Mm. Well, so... You're in this environment. Do you now start getting deeper into the secular mindset and lifestyle? Uh, because I know at some stage the Lord has made a change in your life. We're still going to get to that. But just tell us, just talk us through what's going to happen. Okay. How long do you? How long are you at the shelter before you leave? And uh, what do you do? Or are you there for quite a number of years? No, actually, I was there for maybe two or three months. And um, just me- so in the meantime, I got a full-time job at uh, the coffee club in Rocky. And... Um, 
Yeah, so I, I was earning a little bit and I decided to move out into a private share house. I'm like, you know, I'm I'm independent, I'm really strong. <laughs> mm. I can do this. <laughs> and so I moved out. But um, I was still getting picked up by my friends who were kind of like my adoptive uh, Christian parents. So they were still taking me to church and I was still okay with that because I liked Okay, so you're them. still attending church on the yes. every weekend? Yes, because I liked the people. Like they were my friends, so okay. I wanted to be there with them. But yeah, my heart wasn't in it. I didn't care about God. And what about the neighbor lady who sort of helped set up this escape from home, so to speak? Yeah, she wasn't a Christian, but yeah, I saw her occasionally. You still saw her as well? Yeah, anyway, so I was there in Rocky for a few months, and then my my Christian friends, they... They were noticing I was getting a little bit, you know, I was getting a little bit more deeper into <laughs> not good things. Yes. And, um, yeah, so they're like, oh, go, go stay with our sister in Sydney. She'd love to have you live with her. So I packed up my bags and went to Sydney. Oh, um, yeah, when I was smoke. 17, exactly. Yeah, so I lived with her for a few months and that didn't work out. Unfortunately, she had a, a young. A child and we were just fighting because I was so mature. Right. We were just fighting and it was causing us stress. So I had to leave from her house and then, mm. yeah, I didn't. Obviously, Sydney is so big and so scary. I couldn't be by myself, so I went into another youth refuge. That was probably yeah the second of probably about ten or eleven youth, youth refuges, refuges over there. And this was a youth refuge in Sydney, in Bondi Beach. Yep, Bondi Beach. Wow, it was pretty good. <laughs> okay, so you like the you like the location? <laughs> yeah, it was really nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yep. what's life like? You? How long are you in Bondi Beach for? What's life um, like there? I was there for a few months until I got kicked out. Out of the refuge? <laughs> yeah. So you're becoming a little bit more of a rebel now, are you? Exactly. I mean, and, that's, and that brings me to where I met my best friend, actually. I met my best friend there. And um, I guess, yeah, I guess I was influenced by her a lot because she's, you know, completely um, <laughs> doing everything. I guess she'd been in the been out by herself for a long time Mm. um so yeah she introduced me to smoking of course it was my choice i wanted to try and Mm. um yeah so i started smoking and started stealing with her as well uh we got into a lot of are you still working at this time i was still working yeah i got transferred kind of to another coffee club in sydney so yeah i I kept my job Um, and you were um, subsidizing your your income with some petty theft <laughs> um, yeah, we were okay. addicted. Well, yeah, I got addicted to stealing, um, you know, just clothes and stuff from oh, okay, right. the big shops. Um, yeah, it was crazy. We did that. We did that together a lot. Yeah, and that was kind of how our friendship started. Yeah. Mm. Thicker than two thieves, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Honor amongst thieves. So you had this close <laughs> relationship with this friend, and you formed a camaraderie. There was trust amongst yourselves, but you were nicking clothes here and there. Yeah. You ever get caught? Um, no, not not clothes. I was getting food from Coles, oh. and um, what are you yeah. stealing a baked bean tin every I now and then? No, okay. actually, no. I remember what I was stealing. I wanted to get healthy, so I was stealing fruit and veggies to make green smoothies. <laughs> well, I've never heard of that. <laughs> that is remarkable. Okay, but actually, it's an addiction. There's actually a special name. I forgot the name of it, but I was addicted to stealing. I had money. I was working. Kleptomania, not that. Yes, I think it is. Yeah, okay. my friend said it to me the other day. Yeah, so I was addicted. To ceiling even though I had lots of not lots of money but I was working pretty much full time I just wanted I just wanted to steal it was yeah I guess it gave me a natural high yeah and um yeah I did but I did get caught that once stealing food from Coles and um I was actually very fortunate I was 18 Mm. and 
uh, the police came and um, yeah, I guess I ended up really depressed and they sent me off to hospital and they're like, you just get a one ban, one year ban from Coles. So I didn't have any charges. So, so you were shopping at Woolies and Aldi now, were you? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I wasn't allowed to go into Coles for one year, but yeah, I was shopping at Woolies or whatever mm. else, but yeah. yeah. Okay. So and this is still happening fortunate. in Bondi? That was happening in Bondi and yeah, other places as I moved on. Yeah. Okay. But you're hanging out with your, your friend, yes. your, your best friend now yes. more and more. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So take us further in your story. What happens subsequent to this lifestyle? Uh, does it get the story stay the same, or does it get worse? Does it? Oh yes, it definitely. Better? I don't know. I don't know how much to share, really. Um, well, whatever you're comfortable with. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's been it's been six years since I left, so it's it's mm. it's huge, and yeah. So I was doing a little bit of that here and there with my friend, and um, you know, getting really deep into deep into travel and deep mm. into the the awfulness of the world um but i was like no i want to i want to do this it's fun you know because it was fun for a little bit and um yeah it was a good feeling for a little bit it would soon go away but um okay so that moments we really enjoyed it Mm -hmm. but when you say it would go away what do you mean by that i guess it was only a high for you know a few hours and then empty again i Mm. had nothing what what was the point of my life you know stealing like is that who i've who I've been So you weren't made. stealing out of necessity, you were stealing because it gave you a buzz. Yeah, yeah, that's it, that's mm. it. Wow. Yeah, so anyway, um, I actually got in touch back with my church friends from Rockhampton. And Coincidentally, like, or just you just were missing I, them, you thought it'd be nice to I think catch we'd up. Caught, you know, we'd talk occasionally. Mm. Um, yeah, by that time I wasn't even going to church, I had no no interest, I was going further away from God. Um, yeah, so they invited me, they're like, Latilda, God is calling you or whatever, you know, um, give your life fully to him. We want we want you to come and live with us. And um, so I, I'm like, okay, God, I'm sorry, you know, here, here's my life back. I'll give you another chance. And I did try. I tried um, I tried God again. I moved back up to Rockhampton for a few months. Okay. And so you've you never abandoned the thought that there wasn't a God. You didn't become atheistic in your worldview? Not at view. that point. Not at that okay. point. I was just like, oh, yeah, I tried God. It didn't work for me. Hmm. That's what I'd say. Um, but, yeah, anyway, so they invited me to live with them for a few months. And during that time, I was just working heaps back at my old job and saving to go overseas to visit my sisters in Canada who were actually at a Adventist uh, boarding school. Um, okay. Yeah, so my parents really wanted me to go there as well, but I didn't. I did not want to at all. I did not want to, yeah, be in any religion, uh, really strict boarding school. Mm. So they off they went that year before. And, um, yeah, so I was saving up to go with them. And, yeah, so I was uh, living at my friend's house, and they were, yeah, really helpful, really helping me out. But, yeah, it was a very hard, hard time at their place because I really realized, no, God wasn't for me. I did try, but obviously I didn't didn't put okay. my whole heart into it. I wasn't ready to give God sure. everything. I was, yeah, no. So they were helping you out in a sense. So what sort of help was it that uh, you could recognize and appreciate and what elements weren't you appreciating? Obviously the spiritual side you weren't appreciating so much. Yeah, well, they were definitely, yeah, trying to encourage me um, with God. They also, yeah, helped me, um, you know, they gave me food and accommodation while I was saving to go to Canada. I was actually going to go to Chile with them, but... That didn't work out because I was, yeah, I guess misbehaving. So I couldn't mm. go with them. Okay. Well, listen, what we're going to do, Latilla, we're just going to take a quick break here. Dear listeners, stay tuned. We'll be right back to hear part two of Latilda's story right after this message. 
Decision time. The steps involved in making a decision are this. What you think causes your feeling. The way you feel determines the way you act. If you have stinking thinking, it leads to negative feelings. Negative feelings lead to negative behaviour. In Proverbs 23, 7, it says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Maybe it's time to have a checkup from the neck up. Dear listener, welcome back. We are talking to Latilda Wynn regarding her life story. And she's now 23 years old, just had a birthday. And her life has dramatically turned around. But we haven't got to the turnaround stage yet, have we? We're just talking about the fact that you had now moved back with some Christian friends who were giving you some support. You were exposed to Christianity again, but you just felt no interest and there was no appeal for you. Almost like another marker saying, I've tried this. How many times do I have to try this? And it just doesn't work for Mm. me. Mm. So tell us the story. What happened? You ended up going to Canada? Yes, I ended up going to Canada. And actually the first day I was there, my handbag got stolen in the shopping center and I'm in Vancouver and all my money gone. So that was a really, yeah, that was a turning point for me. I did not want anything to do with God. I guess I was angry at God, but you know, I did not remember the Bible verse that said, that says in the Bible, what you sow, you will reap. And all the uh, stealing that I had done in Sydney and Australia, um, now yeah. someone stole your Somebody stuff. Somebody stole my stuff. And even though I never personally stole anybody's stuff, I mm. you know, I stole from big shops. I didn't want to hurt anybody yes. <laughs> personally. But no, um, yeah, I got personally hit. And um, it was really, it was awful. It was the worst kind of really, really bad. So, yeah, when I came back, I had no interest in God. And... Um, what about stealing? Was that still on the agenda or Ooh. after that experience and having experienced losing 2000 bucks and all your information in your handbag, you decided, oh, I didn't like the way that felt, so I'm going to be considerate of other people because they perhaps won't like it either? No, I don't think I thought like that. Okay. I thought I, it, doesn't, it didn't matter if I was stealing from Myers or whatever. Okay, or because that's not Because a, they're huge companies. That okay, you're imp- impacting a corporate, not mm, an individual. Yeah. Okay, that's how you were thinking. So that's how I thought. But I, I think... I think it kind of slowly dwindled from there, maybe. I'm not sure. Anyway, yeah, so I got back to Sydney and went into another refuge. I had nowhere to go. But it, uh, during that year, I started really, really just going into a depressed uh, depressed girl. And um, mm. I tried to uh, to just not wake up. So I went, I went and took... Lots of medication I could get from the doctors. Um, yeah, and I just I was just constantly overdosing. So every now and then I'd be in hospital, just yeah, just dead to this world. I didn't want to wake so overdosing up. Overdosing on like sleeping sleeping tab- pills and um, depression tablets. I was so trying were- to get Valium, but you know, none of the doctors gave me that because okay. <laughs> right. too strong. But um, I guess they knew so what I was you- up to. You came to this point there where you thought, "What life is not worth it." You're not enjoying yeah. it at all. You didn't enjoy the the spiritual aspects of life. Now yeah. you're in the world, and the, the 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 aspects of the world that you really enjoyed was the, the odd high you got from perhaps you know, taking some stuff. 
Yeah, stealing and smoking and drinking. Um, yeah, I guess that was the right. But that didn't last long enough. That didn't sustain the enjoyment no. long enough for you to actually enjoy life. No. And, and, and you got depressed. Yeah, I was so empty. I had no hope. What was the point of my life? No joy. No joy. Peace. Any, no no peace, peace. I I was really I was really upset most of the time. I was really sad most of the time. So yeah, when I got back, I went into youth refuges and then I went traveling around the country a little bit, out um, past Armadale to be a <laughs> barmaid in a pub. I thought that would be great, you mm, know. But a bit um, of experience, right? Yeah, but I just realized there was more sleazy guys out there, and um, I got yeah really. Uh, uh, deep into alcohol and drinking and stuff and it was just awful so yeah I went into hospital again and went into another youth refuge out there mm. um, so when you say went into hospital was it because of the drinking or drinking was it because you were taking uh, medication yeah, as well and both. overdosing yeah 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 well yeah that time mm. was but um, honestly I cannot I cannot even begin to count how many times I've been in hospital I just I guess I kind of developed an addiction as well. I took these uh, these medication that I got and just hoped that I wouldn't wake up and then somehow or time I'd be in hospital or some somewhere else and I was alive and I was hating it again and then, oh, you know, something nice would happen in my life and I'm like, oh, yeah, cool, this is life, good, and then I would die again. So a lot of up and downs. Up and downs. I was very mm, up and down. But more down than up? More <laughs> down than up, definitely. I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, so basically I was very yeah, temperamental, very very moody and very um, really depressed and then pretty high. Now, you were telling me before that from the time you left home till about now, it's like six years, right? Yes. Now, this story so far, how many years are we into the six-year period? <laughs> Only two years. Only two years? Mm. Okay, so a fair bit has happened, but nothing good really has happened mm. so far. Mm. Okay, so... Tell me what happened subsequent to that. I mean, mm. does life just continue as it is now? I mean, mm. what what happens? Does things spiral even further downwards? Yeah, definitely. Good question. Um, so I was just working in Sydney for a bit and then um, I decided to get away from it. Didn't didn't like Sydney anymore. It wasn't giving me any <laughs> good things or mm. hope or happiness or anything. So um, I think deep down everybody's searching for happiness, right? They're searching for fulfillment and joy and purpose, peace. a reason for a being. Purpose. Yeah, that's exactly fulfillment. It. Yeah, and I was trying to search for it all in the wrong places, and um, yeah, so I went, I moved up um, into Queensland, uh, South Queensland, and um, I went to this beautiful mountain, and I got a job, and I, yeah, I got involved. I. I found this share house, and I'm like, oh, it's a great share house. It's cheap, and it's a beautiful place. And um, unfortunately, people that were involved in heavy drugs uh, were also living Also in the share house. In the share house and okay. around the area. So um, my choice again, I wanted to try ice with them. Mm. And um, so ice is it's called methamphetamine, and it's, it's basically it's a really, really evil drug, and mm. it's... It's deadly. It really is deadly. It messes up so many millions of people's of lives, especially in Australia. It's um, definitely rising everywhere. But, um, yeah, so basically it just gives you a high. It just gives you a real natural high. You feel like you have all the energy in the world. You can do anything. You just want to be up all day, all night. You don't want to so eat. So you feel very alert and oh, yeah. energized? Yes. You, yeah, exactly. You don't want to sleep. You don't want to eat. And you just want to do everything. You want to talk to people. You want to just have more ice because you just feel so good, mm. so good. And I got pretty addicted to that. Is um, that an expensive habit? 
Yes, it was. Yes, um, I guess I was fortunate. My friends <laughs> liked giving it to me, so mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, but or I unfortunate, depending on how you look. Unfortunate. Yeah. yeah, that's more like it. I guess they just liked my company. So yeah, I got into that a lot. And um, one early morning, actually, it was up probably you know really early in the morning, just after sunrise. We're on the mountain and. Uh, with these two friends and one of them got really really angry i don't think he had had any sli- uh, sleep or eaten for the past probably three or four days wow. i'm not exactly sure but he was yeah he lost was, it he'd lost it and and um i was driving i was actually driving everywhere while i was on this terrible drug and um i know god was looking after me somehow because anything could have happened um Mm. while i was driving on this drug but nothing did praise god um so anyway this this friend got really angry and he went into the boot of my car and opened up his big bag and he was angry with the other friend in the car and he got this wooden club out Mm. of his suitcase and it's kind of like a cricket bat like probably about a meter long thick wood mm. and he's like Latilda go, go for a walk go, get you know get get out of get out of my sight like really really uh, stern really really angrily he's like Latilda you do not want to see this I don't want you to see this and he was going to hit my friend on the back of the head and kill him mm. and um I just started crying. I'm like, please, please, please don't. Please, please, please don't. And not even then did I think of calling on God for help. No, I didn't want anything to do with God. I was just crying. I was just so upset. I was just, I guess I was in shock. I'm like, no, this cannot happen. Please do not do this. And somehow after probably 10 minutes of pleading with this friend not to do anything, finally I calmed him down and he put this club away and um, we went for a walk and he had a knife and then he wanted to kill himself. And then, uh, you know, then I had to really plead and cry with him and and just, yeah, calm him down from the situation. I think yeah. I think we might have got into the car and went to get food somewhere or um, get some sleep. But that was a real wake-up call to me. Mm. I knew I was I was in dangerous ground and I was getting more addicted and more addicted to this drug as the time went on. The more you ha- have, the more you want. Right. And um, so, so the, I, the highs are great, but is there the opposite, like a very low, deep low as well? Don't even get me started. I can still, um, I guess, relive the coming down of this drug. It was the first time I came down, I was... I'd probably gone for, yeah, 48 hours with hardly any, no food and no sleep. And I was coming down. I couldn't get any more more of this drug. And I was sitting out on the street. This was probably at midnight, 1 a.m. And I saw people dancing down the road. I was actually imagining these people just dancing down the road. I was going crazy. I felt like so I was going crazy. I was hallucinating. That's hmm. the word. Thank you. I was hallucinating. I was going crazy. And I felt so, so dead. I just wanted to die. I just want everything to end. Um, I can't even begin to uh, tell you. But anyway, hmm. the coming down was the worst bit. Uh, but finally, you know, you get to sleep. sleep. Actually, yeah, I think that's when I first started taking sleeping tablets they were giving me sleeping tablets to get me off the drug because 
um, it was very, very hard. Yeah. Anyway, so I realised I wanted to become a youth worker because I'd been in so many youth refuges. I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to help people like me. <laughs> mm. How can I help people like me when I'm on drugs? And I needed to get away, and I knew I needed to get away. So I reached out to, like, the mental health nurses. So you have you, all of a sudden there's a desire in you to help other people, and you know for you to be able to do that, you have to get off the drugs so you can clean yourself up to be in a position to do that because otherwise it's just not going to work. No, no, that's mm. it. So, yeah, I, I reached out and finally uh, I left that. I left I left Queensland. I went back to Sydney and I didn't know anybody on the drug in Sydney. So it was all good um, except for one year later I met a guy, I met a girl who were doing it and I relapsed one year okay. after, um, twice. I had. So this is about three or four years into your six years. Probably about, journey. yeah, th- yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, so I relapsed and... Um, Somehow, I guess, yeah, God gave me the strength to never touch it again after those two relapses. Right. And, of course, I ended up in hospital after um, coming down from it because it was, it was horrific. Like, I just, yeah, I was so, I was so dead. Mm. I felt dead and I wanted to die. So, yeah, after that, that was really big. But anyway, so I started studying youth work and I got into a really nice house at Bondi Beach and I was... Uh, I got a job as a carer, so I was okay. uh, looking after elderly people in their homes for a while, and then I got a job as a youth worker. So that was my dream job. I was helping young people. I was off drugs. I was still smoking and drinking and everything else in between, but I was off drugs. That was mm. the big thing. I was not being illegal, right? Right. So um, yeah, so I got a job as a youth worker, and during that time, I guess yeah, that time, I started. Um, getting into Instagram and the love of self, I guess. I okay. started opening my eyes. I'm like, oh, I can actually, I don't know, do something with my body. I can actually do something with modeling. Hmm. And so I got into modeling um, on Instagram and I grew my page to uh, thousands of followers and I went into modeling that was uh, very, I guess, very provocative mod- modeling hmm. and um, it was... Yeah, it was all for attention. I was desperately seeking attention. Right. I desperately needed people to tell me how good I looked and how, yeah, whatever. I mm. needed I needed guys. I needed guys. So, yeah, I fell into an addiction of men and of self-love. Um, and um, Right, so and ego-driven stuff. Ego-driven, yeah. exactly. And, um, yeah, as my page grew on Instagram, I grew more <laughs> proud and more loving of myself I guess and yeah I was infatuated with myself and um, yeah so and were you in a relationship at this stage with anybody I was or? in many different relationships okay. um, yeah I guess I was pretty pretty messed up mm. messed up person and yes I did forget to mention uh, while I was in hospital and you know they had to refer me to counsellors and psychologists and doctors so all during these years I was seeing counsellors probably every week I was trying to be healed. I was trying to, you know, ask, why am I feeling this way? What's wrong with me? All these things. But, yeah, every week I would see psychologists and counsellors and my doctor was a very big part of my life. But nothing worked. Nothing mm. worked. They tried lots of uh, therapy with me and nothing worked. And I grew deeper into my Instagram and finally I had to tell my boss about it. I'm like, look, I've got this page and I'm doing this. And she's like, I'm sorry, but you have to leave. Well, yeah. did that come as a shock? 
Um, yeah, I guess. Or did I was, you think it was fine to do both? I no, no, no. I was thinking, I'm like, you know, what if these young people see, you know, my body out there? And I was thinking, I can't be that good. But I didn't know what else to do. But I thought, to be honest, I'm like, no, nah, I better be honest. I better tell her just in case it ends badly or whatever. So I told her, and she's like, Matilda, I love you. And she was actually um, a that were actually a youth uh, service that was involved in my care a few years back when I was a young person in one of the refuges okay. out, out in Bankstown, Sydney. <laughs> right. And um, yeah, so she's like, Matilda, I love you. I'll always love you. You're a really strong woman. And I'm really, really sad that these guys, these people have, I guess, pressured you into this. But we can't have you here just in, you know, just for the young people, for the reputation, I guess, of the service. And so I had to leave that day and it was a really devastating day, I guess. I'd been, mm. I was broken. I was like grieving. I'd lost my dream job. Okay. And um, So what was more important to you at the time, the Instagram fame or <laughs> the job or was it a 50-50 split? I guess, yeah, both. But that day I think I deleted, you know, most of my pictures, but... Mm. Soon I realised there was no chance of going back to that youth service and I didn't really see any other hope or I didn't have any motivation. I'd lost my passion, I'd lost my dream to go get another job as a youth worker. So, yeah, I soon got back into it because the addiction was too great. Um, yeah, the addiction to men and attention was too great. Yeah, can a person earn money on Instagram with this or is it just about um, personal self-gratification? I was doing a little bit, but, yeah, mostly self-gratification. Mm. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, then I was just doing pizza delivery around Bono Beach. I was just, you know, that was fun and okay. I was meeting just lots of getting guys. Getting jobs here and there just to uh, make a living? Yeah, I yeah. was doing coffee as well, so that was a big thing. But, yeah, um, meeting lots of guys really... This is obviously a few years into the six years now. You're still suffering from depression? Definitely. Um, okay. Yeah, pretty bad, pretty bad. Mm. So I know between that... God eventually arrests your attention. Is there anything else we need to talk about before we get to God getting your attention and changing your life? Uh, yeah, so during that year, it was a really hard time. Um, but fortunately, I know God allowed me to meet um, this boyfriend who was yeah very supportive. Uh, he was very caring and loving to me, and um, he really helped me during that year. And I know that was that was definitely the closing part of the journey to Jesus. And, okay. Um, was he a I, Christian? No, he wasn't. Just but a good person. Yes, he was a very good person, you know, brought up Catholic, just good morals and good values. And he really protected me from, I guess, the perverts and the creepy people out in this world, just out to get what they want, just one thing, what they want, you know. Mm. And, um, yeah, so he helped me with a lot of things. But um, and in the end, our relationship just wasn't working. So I left him. I left Bondi and... Um, I left my pizza delivery job. I just, yeah, I wanted to get out of Sydney. I wanted to get away from Sydney. I, I didn't like it. I hated Sydney. Okay. <laughs> I know, I hated Sydney, so I had to get away. So I went travelling again, travelling up, you know, uh, New South Wales, Coruscant, a bit of Queensland. And, um, yeah, I met a few other guys there, and um, that didn't bring me happiness. And I eventually came back to Sydney. And a few months into... Coming back and coming back to Sydney, this was last year now. So I was really, really messed up. I was really broken. I was just wondering. I was trying to find peace and happiness everywhere I went, and nothing was fulfilling me. Mm. You know, I had a hole in my heart that only God could fill. It was a God-shaped hole, mm. and I didn't know it. I right. did not know it. 
but I was searching. And because you'd gone through your whole lifetime being exposed to Christianity, yeah. you've tried it with friends, you had yeah. exposure on a number of occasions, even in Canada, and none of that worked for you. Mm-mm, nothing. So nothing. you didn't think God would be the answer. No, at this not point. at all. But the story must change somewhere. Tell us about that. What happened? It definitely did. So, uh, yeah, it was probably late March last year, and um, I was doing some waitressing jobs and um, on boats. So it's a little thing, and. Um, I met this guy, and to me, he was the most handsome guy in the world. He was so perfect, he was so smart, he was so wise, and he was so charming. And I met him on this boat. He was like... Like a cruise ship, you mean? Yeah, yeah. not really a cruise ship, just really nice million-dollar boat for rich people. Ah, okay. So, yeah, I was kind of waitressing on that, doing, yeah, a bit of work. And um, he asked me, who are you? And I said, I don't know. I don't know who I am. Hmm. I really did not know who I was. And um, after he told me who he was, I kind of, you know, had to think about it. And, yeah, I guess I just said, oh, yeah, you know, I I like helping people. I like this and like that. But it was nothing, really. Hmm. Anyway, so that guy and I developed a bit of a relationship, and um, I really was infatuated with him. But And I thought he was so perfect. So I... During that time, I know God was speaking to me and um, I was asking him a lot of questions about life and why and who and, you know, why is this happening and why do people do that? And all of these questions, like hun- lots of questions I mm. had, most of them he couldn't answer. Like these were deep questions. Okay, like, so he was a secular person himself? Yes, mostly. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess, yeah. Just, okay. Yeah, so he, he's like, oh, that's just life. And I'm like, no, that can't just be life. And I kept searching. And you know what? With him, even though I felt he was so perfect and he was like the best looking guy and he had the muscles, he had everything going for him, I did not feel happy in him. I did not feel happy with him. And, um, yeah, I ended up pretty upset one night. And God allowed me to meet this lady at work one day and she's like oh you know yeah god is amazing and i'm so on fire for god and she was just sharing about is this someone on the boat no this i was doing coffee catering you know okay. I've, i'd always been doing coffee catering as well i'd had a few jobs anyway and she was like oh god is amazing i'm like oh yeah whatever and during that time i was actually getting really interested in other things like drugs and mental health and stuff so i was reading up about that and um yeah so then I got invited to a youth cafe uh, closing party. Closing party. So I had uh, my old boss uh, who told me to leave just probably about a year before that. Mm. She invited me back. You know, we'd kept in touch a little bit, and she invited me back to close down the youth cafe. And I'm like, okay, sure, I'll come. Anyway, I came there, and while I was there, I met my old colleague at the youth service, and he was also a pastor. And... It was at the end. It was, you know, everybody had gone. And he's like, so, Latilda, how's your life going? What's happening? You know, what are you doing? And how do you feel? And I'm like, I don't feel anything. I have no life. I don't know why I'm here. I don't want to live. And... So you just opened up to him? I did. I opened up my heart. And at that point of stage, yeah, I was infatuated with this guy, but he wasn't fulfilling me. So that he wasn't making me happy. I had no money. I'd got myself into debt because, you know, I didn't want to work. I got really lazy. And I'm just like, I just wanted to just have life. But 
didn't really have life. But yeah, so didn't I got into debt and I had no house to live. I only had my car. My car was, yeah, my my home, my life. Mm. And um, so I told him all this and he's like, Latilda, have you thought of God? I'm like, yeah, I tried God. It didn't work. Mm. And he's like, no, you know, Jesus loves you. He wants you so much. He loves you so much and he wants you to give your life fully to him. You you know, he he's waiting for you with his arms wide open. It's never too late. Mm. And at that point, you know, I hadn't even prayed to God. I didn't care about God. I didn't acknowledge him. When people ask me if I knew God, I'm like, I don't know. Nah, God's not there. I mean, I don't believe in anything. Mm. And so, yeah, so I'm like, okay then, well... By that time, I'm crying. I was just, God help me. And he's like, Latilda, repeat this prayer after me. You know, God wants to um, to save you. And I said, God, I want to give my life to you. You know, please take me. And um, wow. here I am. And so I gave my life to God that day. And I think that was the 3rd of May, 2018. And, you know, during that day, I, I was driving back and I came... I was driving back to my friend's house and I felt like this overwhelming uh, horridness just washed over me. I felt so empty and I started screaming and crying and bashing my fist against the steering wheel. I was so angry while I was driving and I had to pull over. I was so angry and I felt so awful. I cannot describe it. It was beyond anything I'd ever felt and, you know, I was crying for a long time. I was screaming. I was so angry and... Then I thought of God. I'm like, okay, God, I don't want to live. I want the earth to swallow me up. I don't want to be alive anymore. So my life is yours. Please take my life. But here I am. If you if you want me to live, if there's a purpose for me, here I am. Take my life. I'm serving you. And basically I told the devil to get away from me. And I believe that was I was possessed because I was so I was so filthy. I was so wicked. I was so um deep in sin that I, w- I was serving the devil I was not serving Jesus that's mm. for sure so this meltdown you have in your car while you're driving you think mm. was demonic because I it was believe. actually now resisting what the commitment you just made through yes. that prayer with the pastor I believe so it was okay. a fight and you know mm. I was even thinking of crashing my car then I just I wanted to die mm. so badly but I'm like God take me so I drove back to my friend's house and I took my sleeping pills I was addicted to sleeping pills for years and I went to sleep and I woke up and I'm like, I'm awake. Okay, God, here I am. And I had a Bible and a Steps to Christ, which is a beautiful little book that I fell in love with. And I just started praying, just very, just a little bit at a time. Like, God, here I am. You know, take me today and help me, help me today to know you. Give me purpose and meaning. And I started reading Steps to Christ and the Bible, and I fell in love with Jesus. So that wow. is. The most amazing thing that so yeah, through God reading did. the Bible and steps to Christ, but it all happened at a time when you were taken on the journey where someone asked you, "Who are you?" Mm-hmm. and you struggled to say who you were. Yeah, and then from there, God was systematically working. But even prior to that, the desire to help someone when when that's implanted in you, that's actually the Holy Spirit working. Although we can't recognize it at the oh. time because we're so yeah. far away. Yeah. Well, praise God for that. Listen, we're just going to take a quick break here to share our contact details with people. Dear listener, you are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony, and my special guest in the studio is the Tilda Wynn, and we will come back right after these messages. Don't go away. Thank you for joining us on By the Word of Their Testimony. 
If you would like more information about today's program, or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 0249733456. Or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Dear listener, I hope you got those contact details down. My special guest in the studio is Latilda Wynn. Latilda, just in our closing, have you got any special remarks that you can make in regards to your life and how your life is so different to what it used to be? Well, Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. Mm. And you know what? I found no life in the world. There was no hope. There was no truth. And I was lost. And there were so many other people like me that I met and that I know of and that I've heard of that are depressed. They have no hope. They have no why. Why are they here? And their questions are why. And why do pain? Why does pain happen? Why does sickness happen? Why do people die? And where do we go to after death? These are all questions that... I found I found the answers to when I gave Jesus my life and I studied the, his Bible, his holy word. So I'd just like to encourage any person out there, young or old, Jesus is the way. He Amen. gives you peace. He gives you happiness. He loves you so much. Mm. And he even loves you even when you hated him. Yes. And I think that's so beautiful. And um, he really did take me out of darkness I was in darkness. There was millions of people that are in darkness, and he gave me light. Mm. And now he says, go shine your light. Mm. So this is my mission to share the love and the light of Jesus. He is the only way, and Jesus is coming back so soon, so we need to be ready. So this is my prayer for everybody listening. Thank you. Wonderful. And do you have any text you want to share, any special text to stand out for you to, that talks about your life? Yes, there's there's a story in the Bible about Jesus and a woman who came to him who I believe was um, was a sinner and maybe a prostitute, not, not quite sure. And she saw Jesus and she fell down to his feet and tears falling down her face washed Jesus' feet mm. with her tears and wiped it with her hair. And Jesus said, um, this lady... Uh, what someone, one of his disciples, asked him, "Why does you know? Why do you let this lady do this?" And Jesus said um, to Simon, "He said, you give us me no water, and you give us, you don't wash my feet. But this lady, because she has sinned much, she loves much. She mm. loves me so much, and." Um, yeah, so basically Jesus was saying she sinned so much and God forgave her so much as well. So she had so much love for Jesus. That's so that's, beautiful. That's exactly me. And um, That just, text is in yeah. Luke chapter 7 and verse 47. So dear listener, that's you're welcome it. to go and look that text up. And thank you so much, Latilda, for sharing your testimony. Dear listener, I pray it's been an encouragement to you. It's a remarkable story of how God has taken someone out of darkness and brought them into his marvelous light. Amen. And I can just see the, the love, the joy, and the peace on your face. I probably wouldn't recognize you if I saw you probably two or three years ago. Nobody does. <laughs> Is that right? Mm-mm. Thank you so much for joining us today. Until next time, God bless.
You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.